0: good morning everybody and welcome to the 307 rpg podcast my name is patrick i'm nolan nolan today we are joined by a special guest we have chris zach from twin cities by night he is here to talk to us about running actual plays and running horror role playing chris how you doing
1: good good how you doing it's kind of amazing being here i listen to you guys all the time so being part of the podcast is pretty cool
0: Well, and you were one of the first actual plays that I started listening to. And actually, I don't know if you remember, but a couple years ago when we were doing actual plays, I reached out to you and you were a big help to us. So it's really cool for me to have you on the show because it's like, hey, this is somebody who actually helped us get started. So uh, it's, it's cool that you're here. Awesome, awesome. Like, I'm trying to remember it. My memory is horrible, but I'm glad I helped it <laughs> either way. So you, you did, you did. So so there is a lot of news that we need to cover before we jump into talking horror role-playing and running actual plays with Chris. And Chris, he's been sent the show notes, so he's just going to be involved in the conversation, which is something that Nolan and I decided that we wanted to start doing with all of our guests. That way you're not just sitting there going, hmm, well, this is boring. So, but before we do that, Nolan, how's your weekend?
2: Uh, okay. A little bit of sho- snow shoveling still. Happy March. Please right. get here faster. But, uh, other than that, uh, a little bit of WoW, a little bit of Apex, a little bit of Guild Wars 2, and a sick kid, so that's the first this year.
0: Oh no! So, a little stomach Which bug.
2: A Little Zeke, so...
0: Oh, that's unfortunate. That's your youngest, which is unfortunate. He's such a sweet kid too. Both of your boys. I just, in fact, we were talking, my wife and I were talking just yesterday with our youngest son and then we said, we told him, you know, Aiden, we're pretty sure that uh, Zeke and Sander like us better than you do like us. And he was like, what? You're my parents. And we're like, yeah, they cry when we leave, not you. Yeah, you're just like, a... get the hell out.
2: He's what, 18, 19 now? So I think yeah. we're due for those days. I'm sure
0: my kids will be a, a real pain in the front sure. of again. So Yeah, I'm All sure right. by the time your boys are teenagers, they're going to be like, oh, look, it's Patrick and Shuri again.
2: <laughs> well, you are getting old, so we just hope you're alive by then.
0: Oh, Jesus. Shut <laughs> up. <laughs> Well, my weekend has been spent shoveling snow because, well, we are in northeast Wyoming, and it does snow here. Um, Other than that, I've been playing a little bit of uh, World of Warcraft. I did get to spend some time with our friend John, who plays in one of our role-playing groups. Um, John K, it's not throw because we have two Johns. Um, And we played Settlers of Catan yesterday, which is the first time I've played that game in a long time. I completely forgot any of the strategy for that game and thoroughly got my ass whipped. I mean, thoroughly. Like, I think at the end of the game, like, you're supposed to have 10 victory points. I had two. And everybody else was way ahead of me. I was like, what the shit just happened?
2: It's nice (laughs) to be (laughs) kind of to a point where we can get back together and and start to do some of that stuff. I definitely miss. Yeah. I mean, we didn't always play the best games. And there's some scenes in, like, Exploding Kittens or whatever it was that you can't
0: unsee. But I'm ready for it. Right. Right. (laughs) Right. So let's jump in the news because there's a lot to talk about from Wizards of the Coast this week and we're going to start off with Dungeons & Dragons Um, so we have some stuff for Dungeons & Dragons and for Magic the Gathering which I know we don't usually cover but we'll get there. So there was a new source book announced for Dungeons & Dragons this week, Von Richten's Guide to Ravenloft Now if you are a fan of D&D and you've been around as long as I have you should know the Von Richten's name I can remember 2nd edition D&D where there was all sorts of these Von Richten's guides to stuff in Ravenloft. Von Richten is very much the Volo of of, of ravenloft so it's kind of exciting to see this so this is like i said von richten's guide to ravenloft this will be one of, this has to be one of the three source books that they told that we're that they told us wow i am all tongue-tied today that are going to be re-loose. released. released all right reset the brain Release, rel- <laughs> reloose the cracking no <laughs> exactly <just. laughs> this book is scheduled to be released may 18th and pre-orders are currently available through DD beyond and other retailers there of course will be two covers for this book the alternate art that they typically do um, which looks fantastic i have pictures of both of the covers in the show notes nolan i'm curious what are your thoughts on this book and, and actually you're our DD guy so why don't you tell us more about what's going to be in it
2: well uh first thing thoughts i'm uh... I'm excited for it just because we've talked about a lot on the show of it was so much more than just Strahd in a story. the story. The realm itself kind of deserves to be explored more what they were talking something along the lines of, uh, they're redefining with the introduction of 30 different domains of dread, all different horror themed settings to test the metal and morals of your players. And I think part of this came up because I didn't realize oh, and you were explaining to me, uh, some of the Dragonlance connections with, uh, with coming in there. So I, I'm hoping, um, I'm hoping it's really good. I'm I'm really hoping to see some sort of adventure out of it for a reason why um, that maybe you're able to plane hop. Like I, I just I, I'm curious about these that the travel between them because when we played Curse of Strahd, it was you you don't get out. You're you're here and the clock resets and this is it's this, this infinite loop cycle of this is what it is. It's it's a, a personal hell almost. Uh, for Strahd so I'm, I'm curious to see the reasons for jumping around but having that you can it, it gives you a free license to do anything any kind of horror you want it can be hokey it can be cheesy it can be scary it can be psychological it could just be slaughtering zombie I mean you know name it and you're doing it whatever your table's into so the potential is going to be great uh I, I I think it's gonna be awesome. I'm, I'm happy it's coming out quickly too. I wasn't expecting something that fast as far as timeline, so.
0: Right, right. And Chris, you're a big fan of horror role playing and, and cause obviously with the stuff that you do with your actual plays and in conversation that you and I have before we start recording, you were talking about getting into Dungeons & Dragons. What are your thoughts on this expansion?
1: Um, I think the Ravenloft expansion really interests me. I know it's been around for like a long time from my understanding and like the um has like the kind of Count Dracula kind of like figure who runs things. Of course, it's more in depth than that. I'm very much I'm very sure. I, I, I it sounds interesting to be honest. That's like when I recently bought the fifth ad player's guide and DM's guide because you guys listen to you guys talk about DD and I was just sh- uh, shooting the shit with the gang members and, and they were like, Raven long. <laughs> that was like the first thing that Chris is strong. I was like, just because they like, that's our, you know, the vibe that we tend to enjoy. And there's a lot of good actual plays out there who've done it. So yeah, I'm excited, man. I'm like Wizards of the Coast seems to know what they're doing. I mean, I, I, I think I saw an article headline where it says like Wizards of the Coast makes more money than Hasbro does or something like that. It's like their biggest yeah. like, earner. So I mean, they're doing something right. And you know, they're, they're, they hit gold in those hills.
0: Yeah, you know, I happen to be a huge fan of Ravenloft. Ravenloft, when I was playing AD&D 2nd Edition, uh, I picked up the, the Ravenloft box set, I picked up some of the Von Richten stuff, uh, so this is this is hitting all the feels for me, plus it's it's very much horror, the World of Darkness type stuff. This is like World of Darkness for Dungeons and Dragons, if you will. So I'm really excited about this book. Uh, the alternate art for this book is amazing. It has Esmeralda on there, it's got a werewolf, some ghosts, and i looks i'm pretty sure that's strahd in the background um if not it's another dread lord nolan you were talking about the the dragonlance tie-in so the very the second novel in the Ravenloft uh world was knight of the black rose and that took lord soth from kryn into ravenloft and made him a dread lord of ravenloft and and keep in mind folks uh Ravenloft is a collection of demi-planes, and there's a mist that separates the borders of each plane. So the Dreadlords technically cannot go through the mist to attack each other, but they do fight each other, so they have agents that are able to go through the mist, which was typically handled by the Vistani, and I'm curious how they're going to change that, because I know with all the inclusionary stuff that Wizards is working on, especially when it comes to Vistani in Ravenloft, in fact, uh, the struck revamped, which is sitting back here, thank you, Nolan, um, really changed how the Vistani was handled. And I haven't read through that book and I need to. um, So I'm really curious to see how they're going to handle that, especially since Esmeralda is a Vistani. So it's interesting. I think it's going to be freaking badass. We should have saw it coming, Nolan. We were talking about the Gothic lineages, uh, the UA that they did, which let's face it, Ravenloft is their Gothic horror realm. We should have seen this one coming. I don't know how we didn't. I guess we were just clueless. So,
2: (laughs) Well, and I think when we talked about it, we were talking about... uh uh, a magic tie-in the next source book going to Innistrad. Right. Innistrad. Right. So, yeah, so we'll get, we'll get those subclasses you're talking about that were in the UA. Uh, looks like we're going to get the undead pact of the warlock that was also in it. And then the college of spirits Bard. So a couple of classes, uh, a couple of backgrounds, uh, and then what else did I see that was kind of interesting? Oh, uh, over about 40 pages of horrific monsters, which I think will be good. Uh, we've talked about that a little bit too of uh, Volo's Guide to Spurts Inspectors. We had seen some of that stuff kind of hinted in the past, and I think maybe that was kind of building up here as well. So it looks like it's got a, a pretty healthy book for everybody, which is nice to see because sometimes it's this is a DM's book, this is a player's book. Um, this one here is going to be good. I, I like it. I think the timing will be fun. It'll be able to pick it up, learn a little bit of it, and... Between it and some scarlands uh, creature collection, we should have a, a pretty awesome uh, Halloween bash. So, yeah, no shit.
0: <laughs> uh, so, th- like I said, there is two different covers to this book. I did go ahead immediately reach out to puzzles, our local game store, chat it with Halen. He does have my name on the list of the alternate arts. So, as soon as that book comes in, I will throw be throwing that in the collection. This is not Chris. This isn't a completionist thing. I swear. This is just one of those things where Ravenloft happens to be my favorite DD setting. So.
1: For sure, I understand completely. <laughs> out the little context, we're talking about collecting books yeah. before recording. So.
0: <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that is the big news out of D&D. Again, that'll be coming out, what is that, May 18th? Uh, it is available for pre-order on every major uh, retailer. I did find it on Amazon, and I found it on Barnes & Noble. And, of course, if you don't want to be that person who has to have the book on the shelf and you're okay with the digital, I think for $29.95 right now, you can get it on D&D Beyond. So that is a great resource for you if you're willing to buy it digitally. I, I want to stick with-
2: That's getting closer because I was afraid it's going to be another $50 book. And we've talked about getting the, the $20, $30 books more consistently. Uh, right. And and that's, I, I'm hoping they see that people just devour content. Like they could put out probably eight books a year and double their money fairly easily. Uh, you don't want to lose quality, but again, something more consistent, uh, you know, and maybe hopefully- we'll get some adventures with it too. So,
0: Well, and that's, that's my big thing with, with D and D, you know, D and D used to be, you buy like a supplement book, a core book or, or whatever, a source book. And then there were supplemental adventures that you could buy a, a, typically a lot cheaper uh, than spending the $50 on a hardbound book. It kills me that every time I turn around, I'm buying a game book. I'm spent, it's a $50 bill every freaking time. And, I'm okay with picking up some modules that are $19 and $20 that are gonna supplement with. Now I know we have Adventure League and I know we can buy those, but Adventure League is very much tied into folks who are going to be doing adventures at a convention. And yeah, we've we've used them a little bit on in our games, but for the most part, it is convention related. And i would love to see some of these people start creating stuff that isn't and i'm fine with it being on like the dm's guild like a drive-through rpg type thing but give us more content that that doesn't cost me 50 freaking dollars every time
2: yeah something we can pick up and play in between your players aren't ready to be level five but the stories are able to be level five pick up a level three or five adventure that's you know fourteen dollars
0: right totally agree i want to jump over to magic i did mention this earlier and i'd be remiss not to mention this i am a magic judge so magic is you know near and dear to my heart and i so i do feel like this needs to be brought up especially since we are lord of the rings fans and oh look there is going to be a lord of the rings magic the gathering set so magic recently announced or i should say wizards Hasbro. Hasbro did spin off Wizards of the Coast. This was just announced to their investors. Uh, so Wizards of the Coast will be its own entity. So it'll be responsible for generating its own money. And as Chris pointed out, they do a good job at doing that. So we they did announce two new partnerships for Magic the Gathering. The first is Warhammer 40K, which blew my fucking mind. I'm a huge fan of Warhammer. And the fact that they did this, wow, Chris, I see the look on your face. Uh, are you a fan of Warhammer? Yeah, yeah.
1: Well, I mean, I know a lot of people are. A lot of people in the gang are. So, I, I mean, it seems like Magic is
0: just
1: like branching out to other IPs and is kind of, kind of. I used to play Magic like, like back in nineteen ninety four, ninety five, like when the first two Ice Age, well, the first one, that Ice Age came out, Arabian Nights. Like I used to play back then, and I use the term loosely. Play, you know, <laughs> I was figuring it out, but that's really cool.
0: Yeah. So the 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 Warhammer forty k. uh set will be commander decks. Now, if they stick with what they've done, uh, the commander decks, there should only be five of them. And I was trying to talk, I was talking with Nolan, trying to speculate, and I'll have to write an article on my speculations on what the five commander decks are going to be, because they're going to be multicolored, and I do have some ideas for that. So I'll I'll go into that later for in a at an article on the on the website but i am excited about the warhammer 40k crossover because like i said i love warhammer and the idea that i could very possibly be playing with the bad and the despoiler as my commander in a chaos space marine commander deck i'm all in (laughs) the other set like i said is going to be a lord of the rings set now i should say the commander decks are not going to be standard legal um, and I don't believe the Lord of the Rings ones are either. If I remember correctly, reading what I read was these are all going to be part of what Magic is calling Universes Beyond. Now, if you follow Magic, you know that the Seeker Layers that they do has included some of the stuff for Universes Beyond, including Walking Dead. So they do have a very small set, it's like seven or eight cards uh, for, and they're all foiled for the Walking Dead and they are saying that is going to be grandfathered and ergo making it the first um, Universes Beyond set. This tells me that they are going to be, at least speculative, that they are going to be looking at other IPs to bring in as crossovers for Magic. I am excited about both of these sets. Uh, Specifically, like I said, I like the idea of playing with a Chaos Space Marine Commander deck, but when it comes to Lord of the Rings, Nolan, you and I were kind of talking about this, and I wanted to touch on this a little bit because... One of the things we had said is, we're okay with this provided, and what was that provision we talked about?
2: I have no idea. We talk
0: about a lot of stuff. (laughs) We do talk about a lot of stuff. Well, that provision was, is we're okay with Lord of the Rings being a set in Magic, provided that we only play with Lord of the Rings cards. Because the idea of Gandalf squaring off with Jace just doesn't do it for me.
2: Well, and I think looking at their plan it seems like that's what it's going to be right it, universe Beyond will not be standard legal they want them to be useful uh but nothing's changing with what they've got going on uh having godzilla in there uh, having walking dead having lord of the rings having Commit- i mean they, it really kind of shows that they can go anywhere with it um the other thing that we talked about was treating it with respect and I think that's the big thing. And I I, I I can't imagine you would see Warhammer in a magic card unless they were 100% sure they've seen the product. They're like, you're doing us justice. And, and how much of it is going to be like, I'm probably never going to play with it, but I'm going to make sure I have one of Aragorn and Gandalf. And, you know, it's going to be a collector's thing and it's going to go on the wall behind me. You know, so you definitely know that's what they're going after. I'm scared to see the prices uh, once people are, are getting them because we're fanatics. We buy, you know, $150 statues, you know, that are, are what they are so um i like the other four, thing four, on there like that. we buy swords we buy you know so uh, they also talked about uh forgotten realms and, and it will not be a part of the universe beyond. but seeing that as well right. so it it kind of makes me happy i don't want to i don't know i I'm, i know i'm getting old because i used to really like the mashups now i don't want to see jace versus gandalf versus elementster that's not a wizard battle i want to see now that i've said it out loud let's just throw in you know dumbledore and we'll go for the commander hat trick here or whatever now I do want to see it so maybe I'm not that old I don't know
0: well and I like the idea that Forgotten Realms is going to be standard legal it's not going to be universes beyond so you will be able to do things like have I, I would if they printed. I would imagine they'd have to uh, like Dritt and who I would wager is not going to be a Planeswalker. He's going to be a legendary creature, whereas Elminster will probably be a Planeswalker. Um, We'll see some of those higher-level wizards who are Planeswalkers. So I'm excited about it. I think all of these sets, and I forgot to even mention it, uh, Adventures in Forgotten Realms is what that set's going to be called. Um, I'm looking forward to it. I think this is neat. It's a great way to breathe some life into magic. There's been such a push to have it digitally that it's... I don't know magic has been tough lately for me and i just actually just went and bought some cards yesterday and it was like wow you know i just bought these and it reminded me quickly that although i enjoy opening packs there's no point in buying packs just buy the specific cards you're looking for and be done with it <laughs> you'll save yourself money
2: yeah it usually is cheaper in almost every way
0: yep so that is everything that we saw from wizards of the coast nolan did you see anything else that i'm missing i didn't it was they it-
2: it was kind of surprising. I mean, that was just a big Wait. announcement.
0: Chris, did you see anything from Wizards of the Coast that maybe I forgot to mention? No, sir. Good deal. Good deal. So let's jump over to Paradox because, again, we have some news to talk about. And this is something Chris and I were talking about earlier. So earlier this week, Paradox announced that they have removed the lead developer, Hard Suit Labs, from Bloodlines 2 indefinitely postponing the release of this game and suspending all pre-orders. This is the second time the game has been delayed as in August, Paradox fired the lead writer, who was also from Hardsuit Labs, uh, Brian Mitsota. So my question to both of you, is the game dead? Chris, we'll start with you.
1: Yes, yes, the game is dead. And people need to realize that Paradox have no idea what they're doing. And Paradox, this is par for the course, I mean, you can go back on a long track record of Paradox, being quick to try to rush stuff to get money, pre-orders, people not getting their stuff in time. It's just a hot mess. And I'm gonna be honest, Paradox slash World of Darkness, like they call themselves now, they don't wanna be tied to White Wolf or whatever. Their, their main thing now is social media influencing and trying to like control the narrative like that and building this whole, I'm gonna go on a little tangent, but this whole like, quote-unquote community cult mentality with the whole family thing to get to where if people even question what's going on with paradox they kind of get badgered by these people who who are just like almost cultists when it comes to the whole vampire thing you know what i mean so it, it is what it is i um not here to be like super negative, but people need to open up their eyes and realize that paradox is a hot freaking cat curse on here. <laughs> oh, yes, you paradox can. is a hot fucking mess right now. And people need to realize that shit and people need to hold them accountable. And when they try to push stupid shit, like, Oh, uh, but followers set bingo or Melkavian bingo cards. And, and they're not actually like working on producing quality stuff. Um, people need to hold them accountable because that's all just distractions right now. So in my I-
0: opinion, <laughs> you know, and I think back to the World of Darkness MMO and how that just got completely scrapped. And and I, there's definitely a trend here. And I know that uh, as Chris and I have talked, and even Nolan, you and I have talked, there are some issues with 5e. Now, I used to put a lot of the blame of that on Modiphius. And, and I still do because I think Modiphius did – sh- I don't think they cared for the IP. And so the stuff that we saw coming out was just <sighs> – Poorly done. It's not that the creative aspect wasn't there. It wasn't that the idea behind it wasn't good, like the fall of London. I think the idea behind bringing Mithras back in some way is awesome. It was just edited was editing was poor, layout was poor, the technical side of it was just poor. And it made it where you didn't want to buy the game. That's a different story though. Nolan, I am curious, what do you think? Is the game dead?
2: I, I'm gonna go with yeah, and I think part of it is couldn't get stuff going. Uh consistency with covid uh, just put a strain on everything you can't just have money out there and anything i saw on their werewolf game that came out i think i saw like three out of ten scores i watched reviews on it it was just bad there's potential there for a decent game but it didn't it didn't win anybody over uh, i think it was kind of done on arrival as well so i think if you have something that flops that hard that wasn't done well that also is do we keep putting money into this and i think they made the choice of no
1: Also, I mean, like Paradox is throwing their licensing at anything. Like, at anything. Anyone who wants to license their stuff. I mean, how many card games are there? How many board games are there? There's makeup, there's like... It's just Paradox bought... People need to realize, as soon as they realize it better, Paradox bought the World of Darkness licensing because they were friends with Martin Erickson. One of the owners of Paradox was friends with Martin Erickson. They bought it and they thought they were going to get rich trying to make this like some modern-day... modern day like cultural you know rev- cultural type thing by typing into the LARP vampire thing and it's failing it's failing horribly and and it, it, that is because their main priority isn't making a game their main priority is finding licensing to 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 cash in on with it thus the make the board games the the read-along adventure book video games whatever those are bloodlines to the the two werewolf games all that stuff and stuff sit there trying to make a quality product and if anything people need to learn don't pre-order anything that paradox makes people who pre-order bloodlines Two are getting bit in the butt. They're getting their money back. People who pre-ordered vampire V five slipcase, case. Like I did had to wait seven months, you know, for their stuff. So it's like, don't pre-order with these folks, make them earn. And they could, they could turn the ship around, make them earn your trust back. Make them earn the fact that yes, they should get money from you before you see a product because they have proven they are capable of doing that. And as of now, I don't think they're proven they're capable of doing that.
0: Right. I will say I am excited that Justin Achille is back in the World of Darkness and that he is one of the lead developers for it because if there's anybody who knows the World of Darkness and knows vampires specifically, he's definitely one of those people. So I am glad that he is involved with it once again. Um, I do I did like the V5 Companion that came out. I thought that was actually one of the more well-done pieces that they've done recently. Um, and 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 again, I said on, on the show that Modifius had nothing to do with that. And and I was very pleased with that. Now I, I don't want to sit here and just say that I'm bashing Modifius because I've looked at other Modifius books and they're very well done, very well done. Their Octan Cthulhu stuff is very good. Um, other books like their Star Trek Star Trek stuff has been very well laid out and very well edited. Whomever they put in charge of Vampire just didn't seem to care. And so, and maybe it was somebody from Paradox that was doing it. That was you know on the team with Modifius. I, I I don't know, but it was it was not well done at all. So very frustrated there. Uh, I don't disagree with you guys with that. I I, I do think Bloodlines is dead, which sucks. Uh, now, I never played the original Bloodlines. I have it, which makes no sense, because uh, oh look, another game that I bought and never played. I think we can all relate to that. Um, however, I was kind of looking forward to you know Bloodlines 2. I, after getting my ass bit with Cyberpunk, I'm just like, meh. And, you know, and Chris, you talked about the the read-by-play, whatever games, Coteries in New York, or, or Shadows in New York, whatever those were called. I did try Coteries in New York. It was boring. I mean, I think I got, like, 10 minutes in. I'm like, wow, I am so freaking bored with this game. I don't want to do a choose-your-own-adventure game.
1: I think what uh, it comes down to, and I'm not, I never played Cyberpunk, the RPG, or the video game, but I've read the, the, <laughs> heard all the stories about the video game being pulled off the PSN, all that jazz. I really think what this comes down to is that companies and i'm not trying to like go on some tangent but companies want to cash in on ip and and they think that just the fact that if they create something they're going to get that that the the fans are going to automatically buy it and and they don't care about the quality of it you know cyberpunk is a big case but also vampire is like that too you i mean you can still release, they could release anything with the term vampire on it. And they're gonna have people who are gonna buy it no matter what and who are gonna push it no matter what and who are gonna be fanatical about it because it's a part of their identity. And that's what these role-playing games, these gaming companies do is they realize people game and, and gaming is a part of their identity and they take, try to take advantage of that to get money. That's, some of them will put out substandard stuff knowing that people are gonna buy it no matter what. And even if people give it a negative review, people are gonna defend it till they're blue in the face just because it's a part of their identity.
0: Right great right. although i will say the heritage board game um i was looking at the quality of that game and just reading through it it's it's awesome they did a hell of a job with that
1: that's nice yeah it looks cool i i think I backed it. i don't know if i got it. <laughs> it's one that I was one of those was going through back and then you <laughs> stop our phase you know so
0: yeah yeah speaking of uh kickstarters let's jump over to onyx path real quick because they do have a new kickstarter going but it's not a kickstarter it's an indiegogo as we mentioned last week uh victorian age mage is currently on uh indiegogo onyx path has stated that they wanted to try out other platforms besides kickstarter doesn't mean that they're giving up on kickstarter in fact uh they have another kickstarter starting very soon for trinity Uh, so I know the game looks like they surpassed their initial ask of 35,000. I want to say they're around fifty three or 54,000 right now, and they are knocking down some stretch goals. I know Mage isn't the most popular of Darkness game, and I can't imagine Victorian age is going to be super popular, but I will say I was looking at the, uh, the artwork for it, and you talk about you're hitting my feels here. You're mixing magic with steampunk. It looks good. I'm not going to back it just because I'm not going to spend, you know, $100 for a deluxe book that's truly just going to sit on my shelf like I did with the technocracy reloaded. Um, (laughs) But it looks pretty damn cool. Have either of you looked at this one?
1: I'm a huge mage fan. I I never have played it or ran it. I planned to run the actual play of it once I wrap up our vampire story in mage 20th. I think mage 20th is one of the best role-playing books I've ever read. Um, I think it touches a lot of like cool things that I like about, um, you know, just, just about the subject or whatever. Uh, Victorian age mage is awesome. I, for whatever gripes I may have occasionally with Onyx Path, I think they produce good quality stuff. I think, uh, uh, the whole ask the the whole thinking of like mage in the uh, 19th century with all like the secret societies in london i think of you know like the order of hermes and like all the i mean this is before crowley but all the you know what i mean all the seventh circle the white initiative dragon solar burst or whatever you know like i just it really excites me so i'm actually thinking about backing that one i haven't backed to Onyx path one in a while so i'm I, i'm thinking about it
0: yeah you, you talked about onyx path stuff and truthfully i don't care what you say about onyx path The quality of the books that they put out is phenomenal. I mean, every book I've gotten uh, through Kickstarter, through Onyx Path, very well edited, very well laid out. They make great use of space, and the quality of the print is top-notch. And of the, I think I have two deluxe books, they're, they're awesome. They're incredible books. They're obviously collector's items. So I'm really excited about this one. I won't be backing it just because I... It's, it's just, I don't need another deluxe book sitting on the shelf. Nolan, I know you and I haven't played Mage at all, but we have talked about it. What are your thoughts on this one?
2: I, I like the time period. And I, I think it hints on those same things of, I really like Dark Ages Vampire, just because it was before the technology, right? It, it was when mysticism still lived where we didn't have Google at our fingertips to prove stuff wrong. And so seeing that time period for a Mage when you could get away with doing some shit, I was... I was pretty excited for was like i like this better but i'm also a high fantasy person so dark ages vampire was great because you could cover your tracks you could blame it on the plague like you you got away with more stuff it was kind of at the height and i'd be curious to see this one here doesn't necessarily seem to be at the height but at the age of discovery and i think that would be a lot of fun of like you were saying with the councils and the the secret societies of we're tapping into something here this is going to be the start of something that's going to protect the world but we're still trying to figure it out so I, i think the i I like the idea of it. I would probably get more into this than I would probably the, the a more modern version just because Sure. technology messes with my fun sometimes just because it is so much harder to do stuff. And I think that's the point, don't get me wrong, but I, I'm used to being a hero or a badass and when you got to hide it all day long, like what's the point? Like, geez superman who doesn't fly sounds pretty boring so
0: <laughs> right chris i'm curious because i'm i'm not sure you did mention that you're a big mage fan i am too it's also like you i've never been able to play it it's one of those games that i love that i've never played kind of like cyberpunk um is this a remake of a book the victorian age major is this the first time that they've dove into it
1: no it's the first time they've dove into it from my understanding uh basically uh victorian age was well, supposed to be like a game line, like, uh, dark ages, you know, for those that don't know this dark ages, vampire werewolf hunter, all that stuff. And they were going to do towards the end of the, uh, original world, of darkness, uh, you know, whatever, um, white wolf era, they released Victorian age vampire. They also released the player's guide and London by night, which were Victorian age. Uh, we actually have an actual play of Victorian age on our podcast. Um, and so from my understanding, this is going to be like another, you know, in the Victorian Age line. So I don't know if they ever plan to do like Victorian Age Werewolf or Changeling or or you know, whatever Wraith I think would be awesome. It kind of has that weird, you know, vibe. Um, but those are questions that you know its Path probably have. But I know Victorian Age Mage has been in the talks for like three years. I remember people talking about like three or four years ago. So
0: So is Victorian Age Vampire is that twentieth anniversary edition or is that revised for or second? Time
1: it was revised it came out at the end of the revised line yeah so i don't know if Onyx path ever plans to do it again but it's interesting i mean for those who who may want to get a vibe of what the, the the um the setting is like there's a trilogy of novels called the victorian age vampire trilogy um i'm not a big fan of like ip novels i tend to find them to be a little corny but these three are like really good there's scenes like that are so fucked up i had to put the book down and be like, you know, talking about horror. Yeah, and so for that to be in vampire novels, which most of the time I roll my eyes so far back, I see the back of my head, Um, these these are really good. So people should check them out. Philip Brulé, I think his name is, wrote
0: them. Okay, I'll have to check those out too. Uh, Jumping over to Tolis. Nolan, do we have any updates on Tolis?
2: I haven't seen anything. It's been fairly quiet. Uh, Every now and then I get a picture or two like that, but I think we're kind of in the home stretch here. So I'm hoping the next news we get is the big news.
0: Yeah, I think soon you're just going to have this email show up from a shipping company, and you're going to be like, what is this? And then you realize your UPS driver is about to sue you because his back went out carrying your goddamn big box. I'm okay with that. <laughs> not my back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Speaking of Kickstarters and things of that nature, the One Ring, uh, as we've stated, the One Ring Kickstarter is completely funded i think they're sitting at 1.4 million right now which is insane because i think the initial only ask was only ten thousand dollars so yeah it is amazing how well this is done
1: percent higher or whatever holy
0: shit (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) yeah it is huge and as i've been saying i did end up going ahead and backing this one i did not do the collector's edition and the reason behind that is and nolan and i had a lot of conversation about this one here was i ultimately want to use the book and i would be very upset if i ruined a collector's edition and my thought was the or the regular edition looks beautiful. It's a great looking book. I'm okay with buying this and using it. Hopefully, I don't ruin it. Um, and of course, it does come with and I was really happy about this as well. Is that it does come with a PDF. Now, I I, I can't tell you. I, I cannot tell you how excited I am about this this Kickstarter. It looks like it's supposed to be fulfilled in November of this year, which would be tells me that the game is done. Now they're just trying to get the final pieces put in place so they can get the game printed and shipped. Uh, you know, here it is, what, we're about to hit March tomorrow, and they're telling me in November I'm going to have this Kickstarter fulfilled. Holy crap, that's super quick for a Kickstarter. So I'm okay with that.
2: Um, with it being second edition, they kind of knew what they were doing. Uh, they knew they had a following, and I honestly think this was just like, how much are we going to print? I mean, we're going to do this. How many do we need to do? Yeah, exactly. And then now I'm not so certain, I think that was such a good idea, but I, how would you, how would you guess, right? So, you know, we're gonna we're gonna put out this much content and then, you know, some people are gonna buy it. We're gonna print this many books or whatever and this and this and this, and then you run a Kickstarter and it hits 1.4, probably $1.5 million before it's done. There's there's no way you could have guessed that it was going to be, I mean, I don't care who you are. I don't think anybody's that arrogant saying, yeah, we're gonna do, you know, 5,000 books, you know, and then before it even, you know, it's just insane.
0: It, it really is. And you know, they had they had stretch goals up to a million dollars. And of course those are all unlocked now. So now they're adding more stuff. Like I just got an email yesterday, I think it was, to let us know that it'll be an add-on, but uh, you can get, instead of the, the fold-out paper map of of Middle-earth, it's now a roll-out cloth map that you can get, which I was like, I don't think I need that, but I'm not gonna lie. I'm a little tempted.
1: I look badass on your wall, you know what I
0: mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. My wife not, might not appreciate that being the new blanket on the bed.
2: <laughs> well, and I think it, it ties into what you guys were talking about earlier too, of you you can throw a Lord of the Rings thing out there and I'm probably gonna have a hard time not buying it for the sake of the IPO. Um, but when you see somebody that takes it, cares for it and does it right, these are the results you get. This isn't somebody just throwing out a Lord of the Rings thing. This is somebody who, who loves the game, handles it with care, is a passion project coming together in that thing. And that's what I think we hope for all of them. You know, I think that's why we're scared of the, the D&D movies. We're scared of, you know, the World, World of Warcraft movies. It's like, okay, are you, are you going to handle it with care or are you just trying to make a quick buck? Um, and when you do everything right, you get $1.5 million on your Kickstarter book.
0: Amen, amen. And yeah and, and you know Free League is is not a company that I'm too familiar with. Uh I know they are a gaming company based in I believe Swiss, or Sweden, sorry. Um one of the books that they did recently and I and I forgot cuz we actually talked about it on the show was Vesson, which is a Nordic horror role playing game. Uh, and I had never heard of it and we did mention it quickly on our show once cuz I think there was a Kickstarter for it. This is, you know, I was kind of doing some reading, trying to figure out exactly what Free League does and, and just check out some of their other games. And I remembered, obviously, I saw this and I was like, oh, wait, we talked about this one. So I went and I looked through and I was reading through that book and the reviews on that book. And I was intrigued enough that I went ahead and purchased the book Um the artwork looks I amazing. Mean, this is one of the books that i know i'm just going to enjoy reading um so i think once that book gets in no one that might be one that i lend to you so we can both read through it and then we do a show on it because i do think it's going to be an interesting thing and i thought you know it'd be neat to just look at some of the other products that free league is putting out because it looks like they got some pretty cool stuff yeah i i'm excited to
2: play it i know a lot of people are excited for it i mean it it's obviously but i mean just from a standpoint of i think a lot of the sales aren't because it's lord of the rings necessarily i think it's because they do a good game so uh, man yeah might be time to take a break from 5e for a while
0: right all right D. we're gonna put you in the show for playing lord of the rings for the next 10 years <laughs> never coming home <laughs> exactly um all right, so that is the news that I have found. There, I'm sure there's a lot of other stuff that I could have could have come up with, but I wanted to make sure we had enough time because we got a fairly large topic to talk with Chris about today, um, and I wanted to make sure we had enough time for that. So, like I said, we did bring Chris on the show. We wanted to talk about running actual plays because Chris runs a pretty much a worldwide network. I think last time you and I chatted about it, uh, of role players who do actual plays, as well as the f- mo- the primary focus on the stuff that you guys do is horror role playing, isn't that correct, Chris?
1: Yes, sir. Yeah, to both of them. Um, I mean, yeah, I got ten people. Uh, you know, all the way from like Germany, uh, the Netherlands, uh, New Zealand, Czech Republic, multiple states in America. You know, who are involved in uh, in Twin Seas by Night. Yeah, and we we focus on horror and kind of, kind of like those uh, types of themes of games. I mean, we've sidestepped a couple times and done like Thirteenth Age, but even like Thirteenth Age has kind of a horror. You know, that we do it. You know, kind of a little bit of a horror vibe to it too. So there's different. um a wide color palette when it comes to horror, you know? So.
0: <laughs> so why don't you tell us about Twin Cities by Night and how it got started?
1: Oh geez, okay. So uh, Twin Cities by Night is an actual play podcast. We've been doing it for almost five years now. Uh, we, When we originally started, we weren't like expected to be like public. We didn't even know what the term actual play was. Uh, how it started was I used to play Vampire the Masquerade um, like for a couple years from like 2000 or 99 to like 2001, 2002. And then in 2015, uh, I was cutting weight for a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu tournament and Just Miserable, and I was looking for things to make me feel better, and I remembered that Vampire the Masquerade game. So I started just, like, Googling. I was at work, bored, should have been working. Instead, of was surfing the web, and I was Googling, and I found that Vampire was still a thing. So I ended up uh, going on eBay, buying the revised edition of Vampire the Masquerade because that was the edition that was uh, around when I played. And um, I had an old buddy from the military, uh that reached out to me about something else. I was like, hey, we used to play this vampire game. If I put a game together, would you play it online? He said, sure. So I put out a uh, kind of like a uh, help wanted ad on Reddit, uh, you know, the White Wolf Reddit that's still around saying, hey, is anyone interested in playing in a vampire game? And I had a dude from the Czech Republic, Slavic. I had a guy from uh, uh, New Zealand, Alex, and a guy from Phoenix Quinn who was like, yeah, we'll play. And so originally we, uh, we, played on Google Hangouts, which would automatically record on YouTube, and we were recording on YouTube just so that we would have a reference to go back and to listen. We actually almost didn't record on YouTube because we couldn't figure out how to make the camera switch from one person to another when it was playing, And because Slavic and I were trying this out, we realized you need more than two people. We almost gave up on it until one of us, I can't remember who, like Googled and found the answer um eventually though like through uh we found out that people actually like played actual plays then and we started uh you know we'd start sharing it. And at the time we were on youtube and we're just like you know fucking four dudes picking our nose playing the game and you know i noticed that we weren't really like able to compete against like kind of like the twitch type streams where people put like more you know um, visual um visual stuff into it so one day i was in my office and i was playing. Um, uh uh one of the uh, vampire masquerade wars on fire episodes were playing and i was like doing something in my office i realized when i was just hearing it auto through audio just like hearing the audio aspect of it i was able to like um immerse myself more into it where i was watching on screen i would see like me look like a doofus drinking something in the background or whatever and be more distracted by that so i came to the gang like hey what do you think like we made this like podcast and focus more on podcasting and everyone agreed um and then through the trials and errors of learning about like um editing and microphone quality and all that stuff you know we're, we're at where we're at now and now we, you know with having 10 people kind of we've grew from that original like those original four players and we've added more people now we're able to like have like uh we currently have on um, like three different chronicles going on. We have a Monster Hearts Chronicle we just started called Fuck, Marry, to Kill. We have one uh, Darker Trails called a Cthulhu game uh, called Missouri Crossing. And then I'm running Vampire the Masquerade, uh, Twin Cities by Night Eidolon, which is like a duet uh, game. With Adam, uh, where he plays Giovanni. And then we have like one shots that we randomly do if we have any, anyone has an idea. So, uh, yeah, we're just a well oiled machine, man. We're just rocking and rolling. It's kind of crazy because it used to be like where I was like doing all the editing and doing the thumbnails. And now it's like everyone does stuff. And I feel like I'm just along for the ride. It really is kind of like surreal when you, like two months will go by, three months will be like, shit, we release something. You know, we, we record. It's like not as much uh, stress and pressure it used to be, uh, you know, when we we're first getting going. So, and it's a passion, so love
0: it. I know I've listened to there was a Chronicle the Chronicles of Darkness games that you guys did. Um I think it was set in like the nineteen thirties in the Midwest. I'm trying to remember because it's been a couple years since I listened to it. That was really it. good. Yes, yes, that's yeah. it. Um I've Appreciate listened to um Sorry. no, go ahead. What were you saying?
1: That was our first one shot. That was actually our first one shot that Quinn ran. We never had ran a one shot before. And that was our first one.
0: It was creepy. It was so good. I really enjoyed it. Uh, there's um, what is it? Wars by night.
1: Wars on fire. Yeah. War is Wars on, on fire. fire. Yes. Which is the Sabat game that yeah that I ran. Which uh, Wars on fire was actually like the story where we kind of like found our voice in a way. Like we ran. I had ran two stories before that. Uh, vampire the Masquerade, Twin by Night, Negligence, and Homecoming, and War's on Fire, though, was I think where we really found, like, this is our style, like, this is, like, what we do here, you know, and um, that was a story that originally was, um, it kind of blows me away, because originally it was supposed to be a hack and slash, it was supposed to be, like, a break from, like, a normal vampire game, I'm like, oh, just make us a bot pack, we'll just go, you know, go fuck shit up. it ended up becoming like this deep, like introspective story on about like humanity and the crisis of who you are. And I did like all these like deep philosophical, like things went behind it and family and loyalty and all this crazy stuff. And it actually blows my mind that like, like, there's a lot of people who listen to us are like fanatical about like that story, like wrote fan fiction. We actually did audio. I didn't do it. It was a surprise that the gang gave me for Valentine's day, where they did an audio reenactment of, um, of uh, wars on fire fan fiction that someone did what, what do you call it when like people who do fan fiction like like take characters and make them be in a relationship there's a term for it i forgot what that term is uh yeah 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 there's some kind of term i didn't realize it and so they did it like as a joke but like they recorded this audio drama where people narrate it and they had people do voice acting and then they gave it to me for like valentine's day because they know it would make me feel uncomfortable because it always blows my mind that people like take these stories and do that. So we released that on our Patreon. I was like, we got to share this. This is so crazy, you know? But anyways, yeah, I digress. I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> no, no, no. And let's say I've also listened to Delta Green. There was a, a Delta Green episode that you guys did. Um, and it's not always the same people. And that's what I enjoy about it. It's not always the same people doing the same thing. And now, don't get me wrong. I, I love, like, I, I do listen to Red Moon role-playing. And I, and I love some of the stuff that they do because they it is, like, super, super, super... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? On point, yeah. Well, it's on point, but it's, they, I mean, you're dealing with people who are professional theater actors, right? And so everything that they do is so edited, so uh, perfected, like the music, everything. I mean, they add everything. What I like about the Twin Cities crew is you guys put out a great product. You have a great story. You're not professionals. So you still get that, you get that feel of this could be the group sitting around, you know, your crew sitting around the table playing and it's still a quality product.
1: Thank you. That means a lot. Yeah, just a lot of tweaking, man. Like a lot of like, just like the, th- the, the worst enemy of like, I think any content creator, especially actual plays, is to like be stagnant. You know, there's always something that can like be improve- improved. Not that like we're stressing ourselves out like, oh, you know, we kind of find the next best thing. But like there's like editing you can find a little learn a little new trick you know what i mean there's a little bit a little bit that you add to it you know and we as a podcast we we kind of joke around we'll go through like these uh we call like bubble burst periods of our podcast where like things will kind of be running the same and then boom like this inspiration will happen then like all this stuff like delta green was that uh you know adam was obsessed with Delta Green. Now like we're known for like these Delta Green duets that he does that are just like really fucking good and blows away anything that I've ever done. You know, what I mean? and he's so humble, which is hilarious. Dude. He's like so self that not self-doubting, like but he's like, oh man, I think I'm bombed like dude, your shit is so fucking good. Like shut up. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, you know, but yeah, so we go through these creative bursts. You know, you, you gotta kinda evolve the whole time, man, or you can easily face burnout or you know, so that's what we try to do, just find like little um, things to get better.
0: Nolan, I know you and I have struggled sometimes, like because we did start out doing actual plays, and you remember some of the frustrations we had?
2: Well, I think a lot of it, too, is getting people in a row. Oh, I'm sure... There we go. I don't know why it does that sometimes. Uh, I think... Think a lot of it too trying to do it in a room with everybody versus online has been so much easier you know as far as i go or you know is it's easier to do it this way because everybody's in control of their own stuff the echoes getting everybody to you know be quiet while the other people are talking you know all that stuff push to talk is a godsend especially in a house full of kids and that kind of stuff so i but it is one of those things If you try it you do a little bit you learn you edit you grow um and you kind of move forward and towards the end of it you kind of get something that you really like but it sucks starting out. I mean, it really does just because I don't think anybody, nobody wants to put yourself out there and be embarrassed by it. I think we, you know, you talk about having the self-doubt and putting yourself out there. Everybody has that and nobody's, you know, proud of their own stuff, but we love the stuff that the people are doing around us. So it's, it's a, it's a scary leap and, and seeing it get crafted yeah. and honed and into something where you can start to have that creative stuff of, I'm not worried about the audio right now unless I'm muted, you know, but I, I'm, you know, it's it's the little things that you get used to along the way yeah i know chris yeah like
0: i talked about um that you were one of the first people that i that i reached out to because yours actually is truly twin cities Night" is the first actual play that i listened to uh and it prompted me because we were struggling so much with actual plays that's I reached out to you and was like, hey, you know, some of the questions I asked was, how do you get around the echo? How do you get around who does all your editing, stuff like that? Um, and it was really an eye opener for me to think about because, you know, we're sitting around the table with three different Yeti microphones and it's causing, kind of, you know, feedback and echo and stuff like that. You talk about frustrated. There was times where I just scrapped the whole thing. I'm like, no, we're not doing this. I'm not putting it out. It sounds like shit. Or we, we have the microphones set up like, you know, we learned about the rule of three feet for each microphone. And so we had the microphones spaced all around the room and then next thing you know it's sitting too close to somebody and I can hear them breathing and you don't want to hear that over and over and over or or you know because let's face it when you sit at a table and play with each other you, typically there's going to be a snack involved and now you hear that person eating potato chips or something like that yeah exactly and you're just like god why am I wasting my time doing this How I mean no one how many times did I come to you and go yeah I can't put that episode out it,
2: it happened a lot and, and again I think it is having pride in what you do and, and caring about what you do as well so
1: it's, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't miss the show. The thing is, there's people who like that vibe, but that's the thing, like there's so many different kinds of like actual plays, you know, there's people who like the Twitch stuff, there's people who like the podcast stuff or stuff like mine, or there's people who like stuff like, just, hey, put a microphone in the middle of the table. I wanna hear everything. I wanna, I wanna feel like I'm at the table, you know? I wanna hear the side talks and the banter and all that stuff, you know? Um, so yeah, it's really just coming down to finding where you style. the thing that we're lucky is that we just play online. You know, like you said, we, you know, whenever someone's like oh hey i'm getting into, i'm listening to your, your i'm starting episode one the first thing i say is audio gets better you know what because I mean? <laughs> like i went through and edited like so much of that just to make it sound better you know we didn't know about muting our mics i mean i remember like when we were ripping the audio of our youtube videos and there was like some like deep fucking scene going on like in our second story arc and you could just hear me in the microphone <sighs> and, like i did i had like one of those like headphone mics i, I did, like people are talking and i just like oh my god but now we know and, like your mics and all that stuff and stuff that's common, but yeah it's a it's a labor of love for sure man
0: so how what would you tell somebody if, if somebody came to you and said hey chris we're thinking about starting an actual play podcast kind of like i did that one time what would you what what, what advice would you give someone i would give the advice i
1: would give is have fun like you got to have fun you cannot like listen i'm gonna be well i don't know i'm gonna speak for myself here i'm gonna be brutally fucking honest like this is not a job you're not gonna make enough money that's gonna even make a fucking dent Like do anything, you know what I mean? Like, don't think that you're gonna come into this thing and you're gonna make this fucking well-polished object that's gonna make you the next Matt Mercer. That's just not going to happen. No knocking against Matt Mercer or anything. It's just not gonna fucking happen. And you see so many. Um, actual plays that like show up all big and like we're gonna do this and then they fucking gone within like six months you know because they realize that oh shit you know so um it's all about having fun it's all about having fun and it's all about telling the story you know what i mean and the rest after that is 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 um it's just secondary you know one thing that we tell people too all the time man like you got you know i think one of the biggest unfair influences that actual plays have on people's home games is that it builds this unrealistic expectation for people what to expect at their table um you know sometimes like this is something that me and becca from our from our gang talk about all the time you know she runs a lot of home games and she like like wishes she could get like some of the stuff she gets from twin cities by night when we play but the thing is like you know we show up for three hours and we know we're recording so you're going to get a different fucking mindset than someone who shows up for three hours they're going to like play at a table you know what i mean so like, don't, like, don't beat yourself up, have fun with your friends and tell a story. And I think people will, um, from my experience, will gravitate when they feel it's like genuine, you know what I mean? Like, like, I don't, you know, I'm not trying to use the term authentic and all this like, you know, fuck all this, like. Uh, uh pretentious you know shit but it's just like people are gonna tell like okay these guys like are having fun playing a game and are telling the story together and they're gonna get excited by that too so and it's a learning curve bro it's a learning curve i mean you got exceptions like the red moon folks who like like you said have that very high quality you know that everything that takes a long time and the music and, the, and, the, and they show up with that but 99 percent of people aren't going to show up with that kind of stuff dude you know so
0: Right, right. It, what about? Because there's a lot of noise in actual plays. There's a lot of people playing games. Um, do you think it's uh, something that if you are going to get into an actual play, like Noel and I talk quite a bit about, you know, trying to diversify or or becoming experts on one topic. Let's say it, so there's a ton of people doing D D, mm-hmm. right? We see them, you know, D and D streams popping up everywhere. Do you think um, if you if you're trying to get noticed that you should be that person, that go-to person for like Vampire the Masquerade or Changing the Lost or, or something like that. Uh, what would you say about that?
1: Um, Man, that's the, whole, the biggest challenge when it comes to creating anything is to be noticed, right? Um, I've seen in five years, people try to do a lot of different things. All I know works for me uh, and for us is we are in charge of our own destiny, our own fate. No one else else's. Um, no company, uh, no influencer, uh, no personality nothing and not and me personally and again i'm not trying to sound bitter but i'm going to kiss no one's ring in hopes of getting like a little bit of promotion for my stuff because i'm going to do it myself because i want to feel that gratification knowing that hey we got these listeners because of our hard work we put in um so social media you got to have a social media plan when you have content actual play and you got to stick with it you got to find ways to get people to notice you um, the the media page that I started, the the world of darkness on its path media page, was a big tool because I found you come up to a lot of resistance when you're trying to do it yourself. You know, you can have like uh, a forum, a web forum, or a Facebook group where someone from like LA by night or critical role posts, they get adoration and worship then someone like me posts and you have these like scenes star nerds like, who are you? And they get all angry when you try to self promote, even though they worship these influencers and personalities who got big that same way, you know? Um, so it's on you. Companies aren't gonna do it for you. I hate to say it, I've had companies a couple of times. And I love it, by the way, there's companies other than World of Darkness that like, will retweet us and all that stuff and I, I appreciate it, but we don't see these huge frigging bumps when they do it. You know what I mean? You, you don't, It's you're, you've got to put in that elbow grease to do it. Um, and you got to find, and again, it comes to like what I said about the podcast and element of it, where you got to find ways to improve. You can't be stagnant with your stuff and then be like, why is no one listening? You just got to figure out new ways of doing it. That's a, that's just how it is. And if anyone wants advice on it, hit me up and I'll do the same thing I did for Patrick with the, uh, with the actual place. I, to me, this is like fun and I, I love sharing it because I want to see sincere, genuine people be successful in doing it
0: absolutely nolan do you have any questions before we move on to horror
2: role playing i don't uh, i think it covers a lot of it i think you see a lot of that as well uh picking a topic that you're not interested in uh we like we like scarlands i'm never gonna touch pugmire it's not for us i know there's not a you know there's a few people doing the live stream but i'm not gonna have fun doing it so i probably shouldn't play it just for the sake of less people doing it so um People will see through it. It's just like Twitch. It's just like YouTube. You can spot a phony and a fake who's going through the motions a mile away. So uh, I, I think that's the advice too. Is like yeah. you said, if you're not having fun, it's going to come through as well. So pick a topic you like. Pick a spot you like playing in because at the end of the day, 90% of this is for you. You're not doing it for anybody else. I mean, if somebody happens to hop on and enjoy the ride, and it'll blow your mind. But for the most part, it, it's for you and, and, and your circle. So enjoy it.
1: Yeah, I gotta, to add to that if I could real quick, I, you know, I got a funny thing, a little funny story. Uh, I'm not gonna say any names, but when V5 came out, a lot of these actual plays that were on Twitch and YouTube who've never even talked about vampires started playing vampire. And a lot of people don't know behind the scenes, they were getting paid. A lot of these people were getting paid to play vampire for the companies to help promote V5 that was about to come out. And so there's a big uh, Twitch YouTube streamer who reached out to us and were like, hey, we, we I would like you to play uh, I was, It was in a nutshell, so I'm like, I would like you to play Vampire for me uh, because I don't know anything about Vampire, uh, but I'm, I'm getting an offer to play it. And But you got to send me audition tapes, which we're like, what? <laughs> and he's like, and uh, I'll help you out by getting you exposure. And we're like, no, that's cool. No, thank you. You know what I mean? But like, it's very easy to like, oh, there's a new game coming out or like d d or V5 or whatever. Let me play it so I get listeners. Nah, that's cool, dog. You know what I mean? How fast? You know what I mean? Like, you're just gonna see me if you if we had visuals, you just see me in the background, like deadpan face. You know, like not enjoying it at all. So, that's that.
0: Yeah, and I know, like, we did a little bit of with Onyx Pass streaming some Scarlands, and it was one of those things that we were just having fun with it. We were playing Vengeance of the Shun, we had a good time doing it. But it got to the point where, you know, being in Northeast Wyoming, sometimes our internet just isn't very good, and there's days where, like, even doing this stream for an hour we worry about whether or not we're going to hold up. And there's a reason why we do things at, at Nolan's house. Everything is run through his house because we know he's got the better connection. He's got the better computer. It's you know hedging our bets, if you will, that everything that is stable. Um, and, and it just that's why we backed out of the, the streaming with Onyx Path is just, we just didn't feel like we could put out a quality product. And it, there's something about, and I don't think people realize it, when you do a live stream of a game, you really are performing at that point you're not it's not and and that's what's going to get people to watch like if you watch critical role they're all voice actors and they're all performing yes they're having fun they you know they generally and that's the other thing people don't understand is that sometimes matt's going to break the rules because well that's how they play and they're having fun doing it and and i wish people i wish more people would understand that and i wish more people would understand that there is (laughs) there's money that you need to invest to do a live stream because cameras, good cameras are not cheap. I think the one that I'm using here was one that we originally bought for a live stream, which it's $100. And then your yeah. microphone, minimum of $100. Minimum, uh, yeah. yeah. And so, and, and like Chris, you had mentioned that you have a laptop set up just so you can do it. So there's another three, four, dollars $500 investment. It's not a cheap investment. And that's why we backed out of actual plays. We knew that we couldn't put out a quality product. And it was, it got to the point, like you said, it's not a job. We weren't really having fun doing it. And Nolan and I love sitting here on Sundays. This is our 124th episode. We love sitting here and talking and just having fun, talking about the games that are coming out, and doing a little bit of a deep dive because we're fucking nerds and we love that shit.
1: Yeah. People love listening, like me, so...
0: Well, we appreciate that. I do want to talk about horror role playing and I can see behind you you have a hell of a collection of Stephen King novels behind you. So yeah. you're clearly a fan of horror and I, I just want to know um cuz obviously horror role playing is big. Uh Wizards of the Coast put out Icewind Dale, which is a horror role playing game. Uh, Curse of Cthulhu Stra- are not Curse of Strahd, but uh the uh Von Richten's guide that's coming out. World of Darkness is a horror role playing. Call of Cthulhu. There's there's a huge interest. I mean, hell, Cult. Cult has got to be one of the creepiest, darkest games I've ever listened to or read. Yeah, I've heard about it. I I, want to play this game. I really do because it is holy shit twisted. (laughs) And it's one of those that I think I could play like a one shot of and then have to take a break because I need a (laughs) like, <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly jacob burgess uh who wor- uh, worked on cults of the blood gods uh he said he needed puppy time to get a break from how dark everything was and, yeah. and i'm like yeah i can see that um so anyway i want to talk about horror what drew you to horror role playing? uh
1: well my uh the fact that i enjoyed horror gaming um or not horror uh, novels i'm not like um for the record uh that's one of my four book shows this one book book like <laughs> book clout now but um uh I I like horror. I like horror novels but I don't like horror novels for um like any uh lack of adventure like any like macabre sense. Like I'm not one of those people who like to like watch like uh what do they call those movies like torture porn kind of stuff like that. I don't I don't like that. I like I like the the feeling cuz I think um in in society and just in real life in general, I think that oftentimes to see the good, you have to have the contrast of the bad, you know what I mean? And um and a lot of like the Stephen King stuff that drew me when I was younger, I used to be a bigger fan when I was younger, um, was that sense of like good and evil, you know what I mean? And like you read books like The Stand, I mean, that's the main premise of The Stand, or you read It, you know, like which is, is one of my favorite books to this day. That's a big thing, good, a sense of evil. And there's a lot of like lessons that can be learned in life by reading horror, I feel, and, and kind of like bringing that, that sense of, uh, handling the sense of vulnerability, of, like death and loss and struggle that 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 are tackled in um, You know, it's almost like drama. You know, you kind of learn life skills in a weird way from reading drama or watching drama movies or just like old drama from the Greek days. You know what I mean? Like there's a lot of life lessons that can be learned from there. So the horror gaming aspect really drew me to it uh, because I can tackle a lot of uh, horror themes and also like a lot of uh, real life traumatic events and stuff like that that are horrific the real world can be a very horrific, horrific place, you know, it has to be inspirational inspiration for horror. And unfortunately that can be the real world. And so that's what I love about horror games in itself.
0: There is a difference between horror and terror. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and i nolan and i talk quite a bit about this because i think you know we see uh, maybe i should just say not necessarily horror and terror like i think about seeing like some of the movies that we horror horror quote horror movies that we see that are just basically a hack and slash movie there's somebody just there's just gore everywhere and they call that a horror film yeah. and then there's that horror that you mentioned that makes you uncomfortable mm-hmm. and how do you as a storyteller when you're doing a, a horror role-playing game, how do you instill that feeling in your players? What are some of the things that you draw upon to do that?
1: Uh, immersion, like deep immersion. <laughs> that sounds like super sick. Or like I'm not like hypnotizing them or whatever, but I'm setting the scene, really like pulling them in there. You know, uh, some of the things that I do that I like to do in my game games and the horror games I run are some common things. Are one asking a player what their characters think about something. You know, like sometimes I feel like a shrink. You know, what does your character feel about this? And they'll answer, like, oh, is that because of your relationship with your father? Like, your relationship with your father, you know? And I just kind of like get the the players in the mindset of their characters to start thinking about those characters. Not like, you know, you better talk in an accent or, you know, wear a costume. Just mean, like, think, really think from that perspective of this character you're playing. And then second, setting the scene, you know, using my five senses. Uh, I always talk about this when I'm interviewed about like what I do as a storyteller, something I learned from the military, a lot of times what I did in the military, you'd have to like, um, in a way reenact like situations that you came across or things that you saw to give a big picture for planning purposes. And so that's utilizing your five senses. Like, what do you smell? What do you feel? What do you hear? What do you see? You know, just really like try to like pull someone into that. Cause you got look like, there's an example here. Uh, for people who listen to my dread story uh there was a um uh in the second story arc of our twin cities by night story called homecoming there was a venture who had a ghoul who unfortunately was physically traumatized as like a sign for him to like step back from whatever he was doing and this venture was cold hearted bastard and used uh um dominate just to be like hey this didn't happen, you know what I mean? So this this woman who was this ghoul had all this trauma, obviously pushed back in her head from being dominated with the forgetful mind power. Well, <clears throat> third story arc that character had died, and so what I wanted was to tackle like this ghoul was starting to like these memories were starting to pop up in her subconscious about stuff that had happened, and so um, there were, I set up the scene in the third story arc where like two of the uh, the players. Uh, characters were looking for this one player not knowing he had died and they go to like this establishment that he has where this lady's in there um to ask her what happened and so I kind of set this tone like where they walk in and like there's like how dim it is and how like there's no one there and there's no music playing and then they kind of hear like a slight sobbing and they slowly like building this anticipation to where they walk up to the bar and they look behind they see that she's Taking a bridle pad to her forehead because when she was assaulted someone uh, wrote something on her forehead And so she's like brilo padding and not remembering you know why she's doing it But just feeling like she had something done on there and I had a um, uh, Joseph, who's one of the producers from h the Podcast, like reached out to me he's like, dude, that scene, what the fuck, you know? Because I explained like how like had looked like a skin knee, and it had it wasn't bleeding, but had a thin veneer of like 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 uh, white blood cells and like mucusy, and you could see like the flesh a little bit. And I, I really like took time describing it, and the players shit you know what i mean they're just like having to react to that so it's like this slow build up and really pulling them in there where on the reverse end if i would have been like oh yeah you walk into his uh bar and uh you hear some noise and you look back and she's just probably in her head they would oh what's going on here? you know and, and during the whole time too i'm even like so what are you thinking not hearing this like what is your character thinking like like, like i don't know like i want to walk closer then you start incorporating the beast one player had it fed, so he, he failed his self control, so he had to leave because he didn't want a frenzy. You know when he saw what happened, so you like just build this tension, and like just builds up, and that's what you can do as a storyteller. You know, not everything has to be like just walk in a room and there's someone in the ba- behind the bar crying. You know, because they're not gonna they're not gonna react the same way. And a lot of times it's the player's reaction. You know. That's
0: always my point. Yeah. No, I, I agree. Nolan, you're not somebody who typically dives into horror role-playing. I kind of had to drag you into vampire a little bit. And and I know there's been definitely times where we will have a scene and every one of us, the scene will end and every one of us are just kind of looking at each other like, what the fuck just happened? And so I'm, I'm curious, uh, as someone who doesn't you know, typically normally gravitate towards horror role-playing, um, what are some of your thoughts on horror role-playing?
2: Um... I, my goal with it, and when we've played it and stuff like that, is one of the things of I always check myself to make sure. Okay, are you having a weird feeling about what's happening? Okay, you're still normal. Let's keep going, um, just because sometimes it is. Uh, I know that a lot of my horror characters usually are uh, either fairly old and don't give a shit, or fairly young and don't know better. So I can add an element of comedy into it. So I can, I can, you know, you can snap somebody's neck and feed on them and be like you know this guy's got a poor diet or whatever make a, a wisecrack about it because you know just to help uh deal with it a little bit more um the other thing that i find on is it's a lot easier to push that thing like like you feel that unease and and i'm a big person of liking experiences and stuff like that I'm like okay this makes me feel a little fucked up let's dig a little deeper And, and, and that's usually where the best seems come from. Cause like you said, it's getting pulled out of you or whatever. And you're like, okay, I want to see how dark this goes without going over the edge or anything like that. Let's see how close we can dance that line. Um, at the end of the day, I I still like high fantasy. I have a hard time not playing a paladin. I like, I like being a hero. I like doing the right thing. Um, just because the world is so dark as it is, you know, I can't sit in my room and, and, and fix, you know, things. So I get to do it in a gaming world, but in here it's, if you're not into it, it's okay, but I, I recommend playing it because I became a better role player because of it. Because it isn't about the hack and slash. It isn't about that stuff. It's about the psychological thing. So now when I sit at a table at D and D, I'm a I'm a one upper, right? I'm gonna set the tone for the story. I'm gonna have a little goofy voice. I'm gonna go over the top and I'm gonna try and bring the players with me because of my experiences with Vampire, because it is so psychological it is so weird and you have you get in that mindset and you kind of walk away and you're like oh wow i didn't know i had that in me or i didn't know i had that in my subconscious or i'm so happy i don't think that way normally like i'm sorry that was really messed up i you know whatever so
1: yeah uh, the good thing about vampire 2 that i like and um other horror mm-hmm. games too is that you can choose to like 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 at least in revised like the humanity system you know, and you can have where something's done and depending on the role like you talk about the evolution of someone and how they can become um it can be a very intense game i mean when i run stuff i mean it's funny i hear stories of people like oh i ran like four sessions this weekend and da, da, da. like dude i've run one session i have a hangover for like a week you know like a, i call it st hangover where i'm just kind of like you know because it's some very intense stuff that you can run and, and like i said though like it doesn't have to be like intense personal decisions you know what i mean like we've had both like we had one scene and in the dread story where katow the gang girl played by quinn had a feed and it was just a random thing and he did he actually had this girl in his car because he's trying to take care of her that he found and he and he uh filled a self-control role so he didn't want a frenzy on her so he spent a willpower point to get out of the car and he's in the middle of this like uh suburb of of the twin cities you know and he's trying to like desperately trying to find something to feed because he knows he can't go back to this girl because he's going to kill her and he doesn't want to kill her if he does it so like we have this whole creepy scene where like he breaks into this house and then he like looks in one room and he sees like a a boy who's asleep and he's like oh and he has to make a self-control roll and he goes to the next room and then it's like a girl and he like makes a self-control roll barely and then he goes and he sees like there's a father and a mother and he sneaks in and he like feeds off the father and is able to like sneak out but it's like this huge it was like off the top of our heads like this huge like a tense like scene but then on the other end in our wars on fire game which is sabat game which is gonna deal with like some darker stuff like you know sometimes you gotta like put a you gotta say okay i gotta step away for a second and we had what like the uh, alex the player of coyote um like who had to be like hey can we come back to me you know and i'm like we're fine like that we have the x card we're a huge proponents of the x card or fade to black you know what i mean especially me i fade to black quite a bit i'll be like, all okay, right let's fade to black here you know because the, the to me the intent is not to be an edge lord and i fucking hate edge lords i just hate the fact that like oh you know like the, the thing that I, I don't comment on social media shit like when it comes to role-playing games to no you're not going to change anyone's mind but like uh nothing pissing me off more when like some assholes like you know oh you can't deal with xyz this is the game and you wouldn't be at my table and all that shit like are you fucking kidding me dude like what kind of retarded ass my mentality is that to be like if you can't deal with senseless violence and you're just not playing my game and it's like then you're playing for the wrong reasons. You're not playing to tell a story, dude. You know what I mean? Cause not, you can't, you don't know everyone's trauma that they've experienced at the table. You know what I'm saying? Like, and, and something may really touch a fucking nerve and you're an asshole. If you're sitting there telling them to sit through that in the case of playing make-believe, like, are you fucking kidding me? You know what I mean? Like that's, that's right. what i And I, I've listened to you before uh, talk about, you know, like, Hey, you know, like I prefer high fantasy and I get that. You know what I mean? Like you can't expect everyone to like the same shit. You know what I mean? And you can't fault them for that. And I, I totally understand like, hey, there's enough fucked up shit in the real world and people handle things in different ways. I like to explore it and like the stuff that we do, you know what I mean, for me. But I get it where someone's like, hey, that's not my jam. And like, okay, that's cool, man. I dig it. You do you, brother. You know what I mean? I'm never going to fault anyone for that.
2: Well, and you've, right. you know, I think with a good horror film or something like that, like my mind's way more messed up than you could ever show me. And so yeah. sometimes setting the scene in this here, like I'm gonna, you know, we don't need to know every gory detail about it because I'm going to make it worse than you could ever describe to me. So, yeah. you know, sometimes it is leading up to that thing and, and, and just letting it be is okay. Let it be. Yeah. Cause I'm going to make it worse. It's
1: the worst but, thing I, I ever I, saw. The yeah. imagination is the worst fucking thing. Alfred Hitchcock and psycho. We, 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 you know what I mean? Like you don't need to see or get stabbed. You're just going Oh fuck. The imagination's going to do itself, man. For sure. Yep. And it's a game. We're all here to have fun. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's contrary yeah. to like, people think i guess
0: and and horror role-playing is definitely not for everyone and, and again nolan and i've talked quite a bit like cult specifically like i've listened to some of the stuff that redmond role-playing's put out for cult and it's some dark twisted shit i mean there's i i have a very vivid imagination and i listen to those games and i'm like holy shit and there's definitely times where i'm like okay I can listen to one episode and then I need to wait till tomorrow to listen to the next episode because that is a little bit too intense for me. Uh, Colt is definitely one of those games that's going to push you probably more than you're comfortable pushing. And, and I think it's okay to be pushed like that. I'm okay being uncomfortable, especially like you said, you're a big fan of the X card, Chris. And, and I think that is so important. That's, and it leads me to a question. Um, how do you deal with the situation where you have a player who you unknowingly have pushed too far in and, 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 and they have a, a negative reaction. Like even in the game, have you ever had an experience like that where you accident unknowingly completely unintentionally push somebody to a point where it was bad and you had to say, wait, stop, hold on. What's going on?
1: Um, no, I, I, I haven't had that. I don't think, cause I think like just with us playing for so long together and like when I started Twin Seas by night, I, I uh, was very open, like, hey, this is gonna be deal with personal horror themes. You know, this is gonna be like superhero fangs kind of thing it's gonna be, and I was very open about that. There's a scene, we have an NPC called uh, Roman Dunstern. Um, He's a ghoul uh, for the Giovanni. Dunstern's are like a a family that's within the Giovanni, for those of you who don't know. Um, And there was a scene involving him early, 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 like our fourth time ever playing. That like I look back on now and like that was a little too on the head, you know what I mean? Like I wish I could go back and redo it, but that's part of the learning. But we've never, you know, no, we've never had like anything like that. Like, but but I know my audience. Like like I said, I know my my players. You know what I mean? And I know what they're capable of. We talk all the time. We're fucking we're we're buddies. You know what I mean? So we know each other's like levels of stuff. Like for Monster Hearts, for example, that uh, I'm not in Monster Hearts. I'm not playing it or running it. Tillman though he talked to the players beforehand he's like hey you know like what are boundaries what are you know what I mean like just so we know and, and you know everyone knows that and I, I I mean like again like listen I'm not like I mean you know me outside of here Patrick where I'm like social media at Facebook you know I'm not like a hippie and I'm not trying to you know, I'm not the most like you know whatever but it's like I think that these things exist in gaming for good reasons you if you're gonna play a horror game, you've got to know this, dude. You can't have that ignorant mindset where it's like, everything should be on the table because then it's like, you're gonna fuck your friends up maybe, you know what I mean? And you're gonna like make it unenjoyable. And I don't wanna lose friends over that for real, you know? But um, but the, pat, the dude, the it's so funny. Like I um, listen to you guys about uh, uh, D&D 5th. Maybe I think I told you beforehand, like I went and bought the two, uh, the players got d guy from Barnes and Nobles one day. Cause I'm like, oh, fuck, I always hear these guys talk about it, let me get it. And then uh, we've been playing 13th age. And I was joking with Slavic, who runs 13th Age, and I was like, this is fucking awesome! And he's like, like this is such a nice break from... Like, you know, like, just, I played a thief. It took me, like, the third time playing where I played a thief, and I'm, like, backstabbing motherfuckers and teleporting and all that shit. I'm like, this is fucking rad! I get it now! I get mean, like, like, this is just such a nice palate cleanser, you know, from, like, playing heavy shit, you know what I mean? So, yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: you know, and, and that's a great point. And I know, like, Nolan, Nolan is is definitely our, our D&D guru. He... he he keeps me playing DD without a doubt. Now, it's nice that Wizards of the Coast puts out stuff that I am interested in, like the Ravenloft stuff, and no one's able to just tempt me with a little carrots here and there and say, Oh, look, Patrick, yep, we're going to keep playing. Although now that Lord of the Rings is coming out, that that's now me tempting him. But you're right, it is nice to be able to take a break from some of these heavier games. And let's face it, role playing games are especially world of darkness or horror role playing games are heavy and and like i think about call of cthulhu and i've i've only played call of cthulhu once I had the time of my life the guy who ran it did a fantastic job it was a creepy game and it seemed like every time we turned around like he would you know talk about a random noise you heard and like from the bathroom the toilet seat would fall down you know weird things like that always <laughs> seemed to happen it was so bizarre but one of the things that we talk about is is some of these heavier games called Call of Cthulhu, stuff like that, seem to lend themselves. like Because for those of you who don't know, and it blows me away that people may not know this, one of your biggest goals in Call of Cthulhu is not to go insane, right? Because there's so much eldritch horror or just shit that you deal with. And I love that system in Call of Cthulhu. And it really seems to me that it lends itself to a very short story arc. It's not something that I can see playing long term. And I think you're right. Like DD gives you a nice chance to step away. It's okay. We're going to go play DD, We're rinse our brains from all this dark shit and, and have fun, still be able to immerse. In, and Nolan, you brought this up. You know, it made you a better role player playing those types of games. So I really think that adding all these aspects together helps. And so, Chris, my, my question to you, and, and I'm a long way to get here, is. Someone comes to you and they've never played a horror role-playing game before. What would you say to them? Would you give them any sort of warning or what are some advice you would tell somebody who's never done it before?
1: Oh, man, that's That's a good question. I should have figured that was going to be a question being asked. I would say that like it's a good way to, uh, if they're intimidated, it's a good way to explore things in life and to process things in life. Um, There's countless, countless, countless things and stuff that I've ran that I've done and that players have done Um, to explore and to process past trauma that they've experienced. Um, You know, I have NPCs in my games that are brothers of mine that uh, took their own life, that that I have, that use the same fucking name, and it's a way for me to process them and to uh, relive, like, what I enjoyed about them. Um, There's things that you read about in the world, you know, things that I process through that, you know. So um, if you look at, like, a healthy mechanism rather than a mechanism to – to disturb yourself. Of course, the, I mean, you, t- you mentioned Call of Cthulhu. Like, there's so many different styles of horror games that you can run, you know what I mean? Like, Call of Cthulhu even has within it. You know, we uh, Craig, who's like a resident Call of Cthulhu uh, guy, ran uh, My Little Sister Will Make You Suffer that I played in, and it was a weird dystopian running man, you know, in a Hunger Games trying to survive against your peers kind of thing. And then I ran Hotel Hell, which is like a haunted hotel. You know what I mean? Different things. There's so many different ways that you can do that. Brings out different things. Not every horror game, though, has to be deep personal reflection or extremely disturbing horror. It could just be spooky ass shit like Scooby-Doo. You know what I mean? It could be like the Delta green shit where you're like X-Files stuff and you know what I mean? And you're exploring. So you can very easily play a horror game and not prepare to be fucked up and have to, you know, sleep. We talked about mage before. Mage is a horror game. It deals with me. Ma- it deals with fucking people who have the ability to change reality, but have the human flaws of hubris and like thinking they know what's right for free reality on both ends of the spectrum. You know, you think of cult leaders like Jim Jones and all this shit. You know what I mean? That could potentially have been mages. So there's different horrors. You know, not everything has to be like cult. You know what I mean? Which I don't even want to know. My mind is going like, oh, geez, how fucked up is this game? You know, I keep hearing about it. but
0: It's fucked up. (laughs)
1: Yeah, yeah, but you can do different eerie horrors. Like, I, I have a book in front of me, and I, I pulled this book out before we did it just because I wanted to bring up a story in here if it came up. Uh, It's a book called The, uh, the Mago Sequence. Uh, it's a short story uh, collection written by a gentleman named uh, Laird, Laird Baron. Um, has a very, like, Delta Green kind of weird horror vibe to it. looks like your recording thing went off. I just
0: want to Yeah, I saw that. Well, okay. don't worry about it.
1: <laughs> gotcha. Um, so it uh, has a recording vibe rx uh, recording vibe has a uh, weird fiction like delta green vibe and there's a story called the uh, procession of the black sloth that i read this last summer and i wanted to, i pulled this out because when i finished reading this story it wasn't a disturbing story like where like visually you would think of anything fucked up but how it made me feel at the end This made me feel like oh god dude like and a little bit of spoilers but, but it deals with like basically a guy who is an American who's working for a company that has a presence in China and they have like a, um, one of those camps, like anyone who's done security contracting, like I have or whatever, you, go, you see them in Kuwait, Iran, whatever. But I, I, the company is like a technical company or something like that or oil company, I can't remember. And you have all these different people from Europe or, they, you know, people who live in there with their families. Long story short, through all this like weird, like fiction kind of vibe, you find out it's hell, the dude's in hell. And like, like basically he just realized he's in hell and it's like this weird, like at the end of it, but the way he does it, it's like such a re- reveal. You're like, Oh, like it made me feel like, I remember I was outside in my backyard reading it, looking at my lawn, hearing the birds sing, enjoying the sunshine during the nice spring, summer day. And I read that I was like, Oh my. Fucking god, this is ruined my day. But it was in such a good way though. But it wasn't like anything that was like like disturbingly like saw or anything like that, dude. And that's fun though. That's like walking to the edge there and that little bit like a roller coaster. You know what I mean? It's, like, it brings that fun, and that's why I like about horror sometimes too. You know.
2: We we good look stuff. at a lot of that stuff, and I think I I think a big thing for me is like I personalize a lot of stuff. So like for me, like one of the most messed up movies is saw was The Road right? <laughs> oh, yeah. You know what Jeez. I mean? Like as a, as a, as a, as a father and that stuff, like those are like my things. And I think Colt deals with that stuff a lot too, you know, like for me, the impossible situation is, is not being able to save your kids. Right. And so yeah. it's, it's one of those things of like, you know, that's kind of my thing of like, you know, okay, this is my line to say, like, I, I don't mind. I'm just going to take it a lot more personal. Don't be too weird with it. So I would say that having that conversation of saying, you know, going into it at uh, session zero yeah. is what it is in D what are you not okay with? I don't, you know, Or this is going to have something in it, just so you know, if it goes too far, you know, let me know. Or if it's pushing a thing, you know, feeding on children or whatever it is, you know, some people have flaws. And and it is what it is. But, yeah, just communication. I think we talk about that in D&D as well, of be open to having an experience but also at the same time if it's not if it's not going the way you thought it was going to or if you're having a bad time talk to your game master your storyteller your dm because again they want you to be there they want you to have fun you can't run a game by yourself so
1: and it's also on dms and sts to check with their players i do that once in a while but hey what's going what do you think about the story so far you know what i mean like and and we have that relationship with those speak out and thankfully i haven't had anyone be like it sucks fuck you you know what i mean like but you know i still ask anyways
0: (laughs) I I will say like you, you Nolan you mentioned feeding on children. Um, we were playing through Giovanni Chronicles, and my wife was playing a Malkavian. And one of her flaws was she had to feed on children, and she was very much into like yeah I I want to go ahead and and you know role play this. And and there was a point where it was like okay, I knew how far we could go without making everybody else at the table uncomfortable and i do think you know when it comes to horror role playing you have to understand that just because one person's good with it doesn't mean the entire party is good with it so you i think you have to be able to say okay we could take it to this far but then we have to stop because i'm not gonna give your make your pleasure uh paramount to everybody else and and have you know four or five people sitting there feeling horribly uncomfortable and it was enough. I mean, she was, you know, gracious enough to say, yeah, no, that works. And I, and I think that's the other thing is you have to know your player's limits. And you talk about checking in, Chris. There were times during Giovanni Chronicles, like especially, I'm assuming you know the Giovanni Chronicles, Chris. Yeah, I figured you did. You've been around, yeah, you've been around World of Darkness long enough. So, um, you know, the very first book, they put taps in their necks. And I, I remember looking at Nolan and just seeing the look on his face. And it was one of those moments where we had to say, all right, cool guys. Let's take a break. Is everybody okay?
2: Yeah, and I think like, it was just catch you work? off. Yeah, right? that, that catches you off You're like, oh, it's gonna be this kind of thing. Uh, okay, okay, buckle in.
1: Yeah, Giovanni Chronicles, I think, suffered a little bit from like the '90s edge lordiness. Sure. You know what I mean? Because like my first thing, how does that logistically work with the tops? and like, like not? I don't think about that kind of stuff, and it grosses me out. But it's just like, wouldn't someone die if you put like? No, you yeah, know, absolutely. Like, yeah, yeah anyway, and I
0: think a- you're right. And, and it was a Black Dog Gaming Factory book, and they were yeah. they. I mean, they made it very clear we are going to be pushing the limits with these books.
1: Yeah, Clambout book, Bali, Jesus Christ! Like, yeah, that was the first book I read. Almost threw it across the room and been like, office like, <laughs> You do not need that. You do not need that. Even in the nineties, it didn't. Need that. Right, you, didn't you know. know.
0: So we have we have come to the end of our show. This is, we're a little bit longer than what we normally do, but I wanted to give you time, Chris, to talk. Um, Nolan, before we sign off, do you have any other questions for Chris? I don't think so.
2: No, uh, it's it's informative. It's nice to see another genre that goes away from what I'm into um, and, and kind of as my signing off thing there. I would say play them just because I don't have a high fantasy character now that doesn't have some sort of story because who in their right mind picks up a great sword – learns Fireball and tracks down a group of goblins and still murders them to loot their bodies and take their treasures. You wipe out civilizations of monsters uh, and you get rewarded for it you're just as messed up as the people doing the weird stuff of vampire. They're doing it to survive and do stuff. You're doing it for fun. So, so take some of that stuff because you got to be kind of fucked up as well to hit the road and slaughter for a living. I mean, period. So uh, don't, don't think that there is no noble path to genocide of goblins. Okay. You, you're going to deal with it and, and have that kind of situation where it's like, okay, my body count now is like 300 because of that fireball. How do you feel about that? Because you know, are you, you shouldn't be okay with it that doesn't matter what they are right so uh, use them use all the games and and take a little bit with it and have fun with it so
0: Chris any last minute advice
1: just play games have fun That's, don't take yourself there you go, yeah, there you go. Uh, Chris
0: I do ask Chris that you do send me you all your links because I want to make sure that we get those in the show notes so that way folks can come in here and check, take a look so if you don't mind emailing that to me that would be great I would greatly appreciate that um thank you so much for being here it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show
1: for sure man it's been a blast it's kind of surreal being on here i listen to you guys all the time so good stuff
0: we appreciate that. That is our show for this week. Thank you guys so much for joining us and 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 tuning in. We really appreciate it. Like I said, this was our 124th episode. Hard to believe that we've been doing it this long, Nolan. And, and I think about, you know, like what Chris was saying, where they started and where they are now. You know, very same for us, where we started and where we are now. I mean, originally we started this podcast, we were all sitting in the same room together. Now we're in separate houses across – well, we're actually just a couple blocks away because we live on the same street. But it's, it's just interesting to see you know how far things have come along and, and I really appreciate everybody who has joined us along for this ride um, Nolan anything else before we go? Thumbs it up man. Perfect. Thank you so much for listening everybody have a good week Bye Bye Till no <laughs>